A number of years ago, I was honored to attend the first cohort in a training conference for veteran birthright trip leaders. Having run a number of such voyages as American staff, I traveled to Chicago to participate in this multi-day institute. Ironically, it was hosted at the McDonald's corporate campus, where we enjoyed trainings from Birthright International Leadership, peer discussions, and insightful lessons in informal education. One of the principals there was the Birthright Director of Education, Dr. Zohar Raviv. He was an impressive presenter, and while I disagreed with the content of his Jewish philosophical perspectives, his pedagogical approach resonated with me. In the context of shepherding young people on an Israel journey, Dr. Zohar distinguished between education and indoctrination, of course preferencing the former as a superior methodology. The comedian civil rights activist Dick Gregory once opined that education means to bring out wisdom, indoctrination means to push in knowledge. And Albert Einstein noted that education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. The distinction between indoctrination and education parallels another contrast, that of coercion versus influence. Kenneth Blanchard, author of The One-Minute Manager, once said that the key to successful leadership today is influence, not authority. It is this approach, privileging wisdom over knowledge and a student's learning journey over forced conclusions, to which Dr. Zohar referred, and I've thought back often to this dichotomy in the seven years since. This week, we learned that Moshe would be denied entry into the land of Israel because he struck, instead of speaking to, the rock to draw water from it. We were left wondering, does the punishment really fit the crime? Presumably, as Ramban notes, whether he extracted the water by hitting or commanding the inanimate stone, either way would demonstrate God's miraculous power to the nation. And if doing so was in fact the goal, then was it not mission accomplished? Maral distills a powerful ethical message from this peculiar shift. Moshe, history's most celebrated teacher, became frustrated when his attempts at speaking did not trigger the desired results. According to the Midrash, he did use his voice, albeit on the incorrect rock, and only then went on to strike the next and correct one. Moshe's reaction conveyed to the Jewish people that in order to achieve influence, one must exert force. This, explains Maharal, was his tragic error. The far superior approach is to use kind, inspiring words, and to infuse the listener with joy. Mystically speaking, every creation, even inanimate ones like a rock and certainly sentient beings, yearn to live in accordance with a higher will. But teachers, parents, and leaders must lovingly direct and encourage, rather than coerce, to actualize this latent potential. Rashi, citing another Midrash, insists that had Moshe more patiently communicated with the rock, eventually its water would have gushed forth, as God clearly intended. This would have demonstrated to the nation that, like the rock itself, they were ready for a new relationship with God built on noble choices rather than on threats and inducements. Educators and parents would be wise to heed this implication. Indoctrination and its corollary, coercion, might prove an alluring approach when information is so vital and the stakes so high, as in the case of religion, and matters of ultimate purpose. It seems to present an expedient shortcut to spiritual excellence. Moreover, the converse means relinquishing control and trusting the student, or in the case of parenting, the child. It also guarantees more short-term disappointments, as many students may not draw the conclusions that the educator would like. 
In the long run, however, the growth will be far more authentic and sustainable. Those who have digested a critically examined, thoroughly considered body of wisdom can make it their own and align their lives deeply with its mission. Of course, this approach places far greater claims on the pupil. No longer can one assume a passive posture in one's own development, nor can one impugn one's teachers for frustrations or failed life choices. Education in this pristine form demands a vigorous pursuit of wisdom, inquiring, analyzing, often pivoting, and ultimately making deeply informed personal choices. May we all merit to encounter and dispense this mode of education throughout our lives. Shabbat Shalom.